Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, hey there, family. Can I just tell you, I, I hear there's something else happening in town here, something about one and projects or something. So I, was, I thought, man, I wonder how many people will be at church today because that's a good thing that's happening. But thank you for coming out in the rain. Thank you for being here today. It would, really would not have been the same without you. Um, and so I thank you for that. And uh, for those of you who are tuning in online, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being here. It would not be the same without you as well. Um, we love what you do in the chat, and we appreciate you, and you're just a part of this as much as anyone who's sitting here. So we're grateful for you taking time out of your day to be a part of this. Let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for your love, for the fact that you created each, us each and every one uniquely. And today, Lord, as I talk about a topic that could be a little sensitive, I pray that you would give me just the right words. And I also pray that you would help each person out there to have your ears on to hear what you want to say. I pray in your name. Amen. I want to start off with a Bible verse. It's Proverbs 22, verse 2. New Living Translation says it this way. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. Now, I plan the topics that I'm going to be preaching on somewhere between six months to 18 months, actually, ahead of time. And so when I was planning this sermon, it was probably, I was probably about seven or eight months ago. And uh, I knew I wanted to do a series that talked about the things that divide us, that get in the way of us having connection with each other. And so I started kind of going down my list of the things that I think of that create disconnect, that keep us from connecting. And... Um, I just wrote down socioeconomic very quickly and thought, okay, what would I talk about with that? And moved on with my day. Um, and, uh, and like I said, I kind of start preparing ahead of time. And I was, I was kind of into my preparations when we did our podcast earlier this week. And at the end of the podcast, our host, Randy, said, so next week you're talking about socioeconomic differences. Good luck. I would not want to be you. And up until that point, I had not felt that way. <laughs> and suddenly I felt that way. I was like, and I tried to put on a good front. I was like, oh, it'll be, and I was like, hmm. So I don't know, I worked with people and their money for a while and I can tell you there's a couple things you don't wanna talk about and that's money. I was like, oh, you're right. <laughs> I wasn't scared until now. So I come before you in all humility. If I say something that offends you, I'm sorry. <laughs> but maybe I'm not sorry if it's a good offending, right? But I will apologize if it's a bad offending, all right? You can talk to me either way. <laughs> it's kind of sensitive, right, when we talk about socioeconomics because it's talking about money a lot. And money has a pretty big impact on our lives, doesn't it? 
Yeah, we like to we like to throw terms out, right? To kind of help us differentiate what we're talking about. You know, terms like poor, terms like middle class, terms like rich. And what we're trying to do is kind of create a, a scale on the social economic continuum that we can kind of start fitting people into, right? Why do we do that? I don't know, because humans, we send, we just need to categorize things, but we do, right? And the, the interesting thing is that, like, I don't particularly think of myself as being rich, but when I went to Guatemala, everybody there was pretty convinced that I was uber rich. So money can be perspective too, right? What's rich in one place isn't rich in another. What's poor in one place isn't poor in another. And so, again, this, this can get a little sensitive because the money that we have, where we fall on that continuum, well, it can determine the neighborhood we live in or don't. And the house in that neighborhood that we live in, it can determine the vehicle that we drive in whether that's our own personal vehicle or a bus or a train or an airplane. It will determine the food that we eat, where we shop for groceries, the restaurants that we choose to frequent. And I'm not saying that there isn't overlap on those socioeconomic, not saying that only one class of people eats at a certain restaurant or another. But what I'm saying is, as a general rule, where you're at will influence the restaurants you eat at, how often you eat at them. It will also have to do with where you go on vacation or if you go on vacation or how long you go on vacation. It will have an influence on your education and the education of your children, where you put your kids in school, what you think about higher education. It will impact even your entertainment. It will impact the sports and how you either play them or don't play them. There's a reason why soccer or football, as the rest of the world calls it, is so popular. It's because all it takes is something roundish and a little bit of space. So no matter where you're at on the continuum, you can play that sport, more or less. But it will impact the fields that you play on, the roundness of the ball. It will impact whether you go to watch the games in person or whether you watch them, whether you watch them live or whether you watch them on clips. Yeah, where you're at on that socioeconomic continuum has a lot of impact. And if we're just gonna be honest for a minute, it creates divides. What if I'm not in the same neighborhood as you? What if I'm not being educated in the same place as you? 
I'm not saying you're trying to divide. I'm just saying it's just a reality. And then, and then, and then can we just take a moment and just be honest? Religion does a little, right? Can we just take a moment to admit that people like me, maybe even me, send you some, some mixed messages when it comes to this, right? So, you know, people like me will get up front and we won't be as, as you know, my theology puts me in a little bit different place than the, than the person that's over here that says, if you're doing what God wants, he's gonna make you rich, you know, name it, claim it, prosperity gospel stuff. I'm, I'm kind of a little over here, but you know, you might hear me say, hey, you know, if you are faithful in returning your tithes and offerings to God, God will bless you. And then you'll probably hear me say, and it's not just financial blessings, but you know what then I'll do probably? I'll probably tell you about a time when I only had $6 left and I put it in the offering plate, right? And the next day I had $200 of groceries show up on my front porch, right? So I kind of send you some mixed messages if we're just gonna be honest for a second, right? Yeah. It's like, I mean, God's not gonna be make you rich, but if you do what he said, you know what I'm saying? But, but it gets even messier than that, right? Because not only do I say that, that, that you know, if you do what God asks you to do, God's gonna bless you. Not only, not do, I don't say, I just don't just say that, but then I tell you, you know, Jesus said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. Oh, so which is it? Does God want me to be rich or does he want me to be poor? Because it sounds like if I want to be in heaven, I need to be poor. But if I want to go ahead and have a good life here on earth, I need to, what is it? What is it? So yeah, within Christianity, we've sent some kind of mixed messages about where God wants you to be on the socioeconomic continuum. So I feel like as I talk about this, I need to be really clear with you. This is not a sermon about whether it's better to be rich or be poor or middle class. It's not what this sermon's about, so we're not, we're not gonna talk about that. We're not gonna talk about whether prosperity gospel is garbage or not, it is, but we're gonna move on quickly. <laughs> sorry, I can never resist, I can't help myself. That's, I, I know I probably offended some. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, um, anyway, come talk to me. Come talk to me. We're not, but we're not going there. Ken, walk away. Okay, this is what Melanie and... T okay. So anyway, let it go. I'm letting it go. I'm trying. I'm really trying hard. I'm going to move on. That's not what this sermon's about. Um, this sermon is also really not about equality or inequality. Okay? So I'm not really diving into the cultural war over equality and inequality on this, okay? So be disappointed. Um, not doing that. So at this point, you're saying, well, you've, you've told me a lot about what this sermon is not about, and I'm kind of disappointed because I was looking forward to hearing a couple of those things. And, I, and can I just say those themes are all worthy themes, and we'll, we'll try to cover them in the years to come because they're important to talk about. But no, today's sermon is about this. This sermon is about connecting across the divide that money and societal realities can create. That's what the sermon is about. And so that's really what we're gonna focus. We're not gonna, whether it's good, bad, or whatever, can we just all admit that it's there? And it's probably not going away. So the question really is, 
do I even need to try to connect with somebody who's in a different place on that socioeconomic continuum than me? Do I really need to even do that? And if I did decide I wanted to do that, how would I even go about doing that? So that's what I want to get at today. That's what I want to get at today. Let's go ahead and establish something right now. In this room, 90% of you say that this country has never felt as divided and you feel exhausted by it. I see heads nodding. At least 90% of the heads are nodding in here. Uh, this study, by the way, comes to you from a group that I'm going to use a lot during the sermon called moreincommon.com. They are a nonprofit group that's interested and has the mission of bringing people together across the divides that society has. So they're going to provide a lot of the research that I'm quoting in this. And you can see their website if you want to find out more about them. But 9 in 10 Americans say that countries never felt so divided and they feel exhausted by this polarization. What are they, where, where are the divides happening? Well, they, they divide it into four things. Racial and ethnic issues, political issues, religious issues, and socioeconomic issues. It's the big four. The big four divides in America today, according to most Americans. And by the heads that I see nodding, most of you are with me so far. Yep, that makes sense. I can see that. Interestingly, Americans also say, 72%, that they agree that we have a responsibility to connect with people who are different, who are different than me racially and culturally, that are different from me politically, that are different from me religiously, that are different from me socioeconomically. 72% of Americans, so that means in this room, seven out of 10 of you, or like, yep, I don't have to, Ken, you don't have to get up here and convince me that this needs to happen. I may not know how it should, I just, I don't see it happening, but you don't have to convince me. So for those seven out of 10 in here, I'm going to tell, do something. I'm the kind of pastor that really likes you to actually talk out loud to me when I ask you to, and I'm asking you to right now. So why, why do we have the responsibility to connect with people who are different from us socioeconomically? Why? It's the gospel. Okay. Any other reasons? What? The Great Commission. Go ye into all the world. Baptizing. Yeah, okay. Christ's example. Anything else? Say it again. In the future, everybody's going to be together, right? Yeah, okay. I like that. I tell I have a religious bunch of people in here. You've given me no reasons that don't have to do with the gospel. What? You could learn things from other people. Oh, is that even? What can? Huh. Interesting you say that. So I want to go ahead and touch on both of those points, the religious aspect and then the maybe the other aspect that you can learn things from other people. Um, I have the privilege of having three different kinds of fathers in my life, okay? There's my father, my father who is my biological dad that raised me. And I would say that my dad and my mother, that we were a pretty middle-class family for most of my growing up years, if we're gonna go ahead and put a label on it, okay? We started off on the low end of that continuum, whatever you wanna say, and what I mean by that is that I got three pairs of jeans at the beginning of the school year, 
And uh, by the end, they were shorts, and that was okay. Um, they would get patched. And then slowly, as my parents kind of worked their way up in their careers, then I got more pants if I needed them, and we didn't patch them all the time. Um, but one of the things that I learned from my parents, from my middle-class parents, is my dad taught me the, the, the importance of work ethic. Get out there, hustle, and get it done, baby. Ain't nobody to blame but you if things don't work out. That's what my dad taught me. Hustle, work. Don't ask for a handout. Get busy. That's what, what I grew up learning from my dad. And um, it was interesting because in first service, I told a story about how my mother used to stalk the rich people in town when we were on that lower end of the continuum because she would, she would try to find rich people in town who had boys that were two or three years older than me. Some of you get it right away. You're like, oh, yes. This woman is a genius. This woman is a genius because she would find boys that were two or three years older and she'd go to the parents and say, so what do you do with your boys' clothes when, when they outgrow them? And so I got to wear designer clothes, my friends. Yeah. For a quarter a piece. For a quarter a piece. Um, and uh, somebody said earlier, well, uh, what is, doesn't that go against your father's philosophy of not asking for a handout? Absolutely not, because we paid a quarter. We paid a quarter. Okay? So that was, that was my dad that raised me. Awesome man. So then there was my adopted dad in New Zealand. I lived in New Zealand for a year. And my adopted dad, he told me that he was my adopted dad. I didn't have a choice in it. That's the way it was. Because he came and said, I'm your adopted dad, and this is your adopted mom. Cool. My adopted dad in New Zealand was an immigrant from the islands of the South Pacific, and he worked at a very menial labor job. He lived in what would be considered the slums of Auckland, New Zealand, a city of about uh, a little over a million people at that point. And I, would, uh, I learned from him something important that I had to unlearn from, the, from before, he taught me the value of asking for help when you needed it. He taught me that, yeah, you are responsible for yourself and you can ask for help. And if they say no, that's, that's, you don't blame them, but you asked. You found out if you need help because can we just go with that old saying, no man is an island, no woman is an island. We all need a little help in life, right? And he taught me that. And the other thing that he taught me that I'd never really learned is what it looked like to give until it hurt. I'd give until I had, you know, a pain on a scale of one or two on that, you know, the hospital scale that they have. I was kind of like, that kind, not the, Ugh, but the, you know, that kind. You know what I'm talking about. He taught me what it meant to give to hit the 10. He showed me what it meant to give something that you desperately needed, but you felt like somebody else needed more. He's a good man, a really, really good man. He taught me that. And then there's my father-in-law. My father-in-law is an incredibly successful businessman. He retired at a young age because he'd done so well. He's one of the smartest business minds I've ever been around. Really respect him for his business acumen. Very, very smart did well for himself in life, brought himself up on that continuum from really, he, he earned his whole way up to where he was able to retire early. Smart man. 
And what I had never learned was what it meant how to buy a house. My father-in-law taught me some things about that. Explain to me what PMI meant. Explain, if you don't know what it is, we're gonna have a financial workshop in a couple weeks. Seriously, look into it. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what that was. He taught me about something that really hadn't been talked about in my family of origin, wasn't talked about in that family in New Zealand, investing money, how to invest, when to invest. He talked to me about financial real, realities. I think he had a vested interest in me taking care of his daughter, right? <laughs> but he taught me some really important things. He also taught me that money was there to be used to benefit not just yourself, but other people. It's got a generous heart. You see how there's something to be learned from wherever you're at on that continuum? Whether you are on a different place, there's something you can learn from the people on the other sides of you and where you're at. So that's the self-interested side of things. But you know I'm a pastor, so I've got to talk about Jesus because I love to talk about Jesus. So let's talk about it. A number of you brought up the religious aspect. It's the gospel, you said. So the question is, did Jesus follow the example you're saying? Did Jesus hang out with a wide continuum of people on the social, economic? Did he? Well, let's not just take your word for it. Let's go to the Bible. The Bible in Luke chapter eight, verses one through three says, soon afterward, Jesus began to tour the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna and others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. In that, do you see a continuum? Even if you just take all 12 disciples and take a minute to study out their backgrounds, you're gonna find there's a wide continuum. And I think I, we, I wanna take a moment to just say something because I think it's important. Um, we often will kind of categorize blue-collar jobs, fishermen, as being poor, and white-collar jobs, like tax collectors, as being rich, right? We tend to do that. Can I tell you that there are some really, really, really wealthy blue-collar workers that, who have done incredibly well working in a blue-collar industry? And can I just take a moment to say there are some very, 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 very poor white-collar workers out there, Okay. Uh, anyway, so no. Um, so, and, the, and, and, the, and then there's everybody who falls in between. So it's not really what you're doing. So there are fishermen that were very wealthy and there are fishermen that weren't very wealthy depending on how they were. So we, we don't know for sure who is where, but there's evidence amongst Jesus' disciples that there was a wide variety of people supporting his ministry in a wide variety of different ways. So Jesus gives us the example. And remember last year, we talked about the theme was follow me. So as Christians and as people at whole life, we want to follow Jesus wherever he leads. And if Jesus walked into relationships with a diverse group of people on the socioeconomic scale, then we can believe that Jesus is asking us to do the same. And if you're like me right now, you're saying that's great, that's wonderful. How does that work? Because honestly, it's, it's hard to hang out with people at different places because they're doing things that I don't do. 
can't afford to do, don't want to do. So how do I actually connect with somebody who's so different than I am? Well, let's go ahead and go back to uh, more in common. The number one reason that Americans have cited for not actively interacting across racial, religious, and socioeconomic groups is lack of opportunity. It's exactly, we live in different neighborhoods, we go to different schools, we eat at different restaurants, we participate in different sports. Sometimes we even go to different churches. So lack of opportunity. But what more in common also found out was that more people think, the more people think others in their community, in other words, in their socioeconomic group, the more they see people in their community connecting across lines of difference, the more interested they are in connecting as well. Hmm, that sounds like whole life to me in every sense of those words. I wanna suggest to you that if you don't know if you have opportunity, keep coming to whole life. Chances are you are sitting very close to somebody who is in a different socioeconomic place than you are. And what a shame for you to get up and walk out of this place and never have had a discussion with them, never talked to them, never found out how their week, their day went, what was going on in their life and missed the opportunity to connect. So you have opportunity because I know I know that there is a wide continuum of people on that socioeconomic status in this church. Opportunity is here. And then the other part that I will tell you is that I also know that there are a, a number of people in this church who are reaching across that socioeconomic, racial, all those other reaching out and creating relationships with each other. It's already happening. So you can be encouraged as you watch that happening around you. And the cool thing is that when you walk in here, you leave whatever you drove or rode to get here out there and you walk in here and you sit down next to other people and you don't know. You don't know. And that's intentional. That's what we want here. We want you to walk in here looking at each other, not for who's got what or does what, but for who that person is as a person. That's what we want. It's one of the reasons that we have a kind of a standing rule that you may or may not be aware of. One of the things that we ask at this church is that you not call people by a title. That includes this guy and the rest of the pastoral staff here. We ask that when you uh, address us, talk to us, that you not say Pastor Ken. Why? Because that's saying that pastor is more important than Ken. If you need to say, hey, this is Ken, our pastor, to help somebody understand, we understand that, of course. There are identifiers that need to take place. But I'm Ken first. And you're you. And that's one of the things that I loved about this church that is so different so many churches that I've attended or been a part of or been a pastor at is that when I walked into this church, I have walked into other churches and immediately knew who was who. You know what I'm saying? You know who is who. I walked in this church and to this day, I can't figure it out sometimes. And I love it. I love it. Because at the foot of the cross, we all are just creations of God. That's it. And what I truly believe with my whole heart is that there is not a single person in this room, no matter how old or how young, 
no matter where they are on the socioeconomic continuum that I can't learn something from. And I also happen to believe there's nobody in this room that can't learn something from me too. In other words, it's not a taking only relationship. It's a taking and giving a reciprocal relationship where we all have a way that we can bless the other through our relationship. I believe this because I believe that the rich and poor have this in common. The Lord made them both. So somebody might have preached a little too long to do questions and answers. Sorry, it happens. Uh, send in your, uh, send in your uh, questions to podcast at wholelife.church and we'll make sure we answer them. And if you already turned them in, we'll make sure those show up as well. Okay, Randy already put it in, so there we go. There we go. Turn them in. We'll talk about it during podcasts. You just have to, if you want to hear answers, you got to be there. So Marcel is hanging out. You're thinking, why did you make Marcel stand there awkwardly beside you when, when you're talking about this? And it's because I have something important to say. This has been a day of family stuff, like welcoming family and, and that. And you may not know this, but we don't, we don't wait for people to become official members to say, you want to help, help out. And Marcel is wanting to become an official member today. And last week, last week, um, Emily was baptized last week. Emily, if you want to come up, you can. It's up to you. Do you want to come up here with me? Okay. Thank you. All right. So these two beautiful people want to be a part of your church family officially. Marcel's coming in by profession of faith. Emily was baptized. If you want them to be an official part of the whole life family, will you cheer so loud they can't miss it? I, I think it's unanimous, but if anybody disagreed, I will be right outside the doors of the church, and you can meet me out there to discuss it if you don't agree. All right, so thank you to, you are a part of the whole life family, officially, you already were. Thank you, Emily, I appreciate it. You can go back with your mom and dad now if you're ready. All right, so, speaking of welcoming people into the family, yeah, exactly. Speaking of welcoming people into the family, we uh, added another person officially to one of our church families. Paul and Karen Dunscombe officially adopted Caitlin this Wednesday at the Seminole County Courthouse. So Caitlin is officially already a part of the Dunscombe family, but made it official. And we are so happy for Paul, Karen, and Caitlin, their entire family. Such a cool thing. Yay. Living out that mission and vision of whole life. Just love it. Just love it. So, now, less fun. But, Jeff Cinquemani, for some reason, decided he wanted to retire. I know, I know. I told him, you can keep going forever here. <laughs> But for some reason, he thought 
he should retire because, you know, spend time with Tammy and grandkids and stuff like that. And uh, can you believe Jeff has been a pastor a whole life for 27 years? Yeah. And unfortunately, one of the gifts that was given to him just before, before uh, he announced to you that his retirement was that he uh, developed a form of cancer. And so he's been doing treatments for that that have lowered his immunity. And so he can't actually be with us so that we can properly celebrate with him here in the building. But I don't want this to go by without us doing something now. We'll eat cake with him later, okay? But I wanna do something now to let Jeff know just how amazing he is and how much he has blessed all of our lives over the years. So. We've got something that I'll tell you about after this video out in the lobby, but take a look at this video celebrating Jeff's 27 years. Mamas, don't let your babies grow up to be pastors. Pastors are easy to love, but they're hard to get home. Just one more call to be made. Seed to be sown. Long-winded blessings and old illustrations. Everyone thinks he's the same. His wife, yeah, she loves him. She puts up with him. But that's one thing she knows he ain't. You know, I have to be honest. When I came on board, I wondered, how's the guy who's been at whole life for at that point, 25 years. How's that guy going to feel about this new guy coming on? Can I just tell you how amazing Jeff is? Jeff just wrapped his arms around me. Jeff has been supportive. Jeff has been there for me, not just as a colleague, but as a friend. In my opinion, Jeff is the definition of what a pastoral heart looks like. He cares. He doesn't pretend to care. He really cares. I'm going to miss you, Jeff. Um, it will not be the same without you. But we're praying that God gives you just a phenomenal retirement. We're grateful that you're still staying in the community. That you're still going to be a part of the whole life family. And so we just wish you many, many years of happy retirement. And yeah, we are going to call on you to help us out here and there. Hi, everyone. I wish that I could be there. And uh, it just doesn't seem right, me being here and all of you being there. But that just makes me all the more anxious to get back. But today is the day that I need to say goodbye. But you get to say hello, just like the song. I say goodbye to you as your pastor, but hello as member and volunteer in this church that we're all a part of. I have truly enjoyed being your pastor all these years. And it is by far the most pleasurable, most fun, but also the most rewarding experience of my entire ministry. 
I just can't imagine where Ken and this staff are going to take it from here on out. And I want to be a part of it. I look forward to that now as a member. So yes, I do want to be here with all of you, watching this church continue to grow. And I want to experience it and be a part of it along with you in my retirement years. So, hello. You see, there's been a little debate over how many years. Jeff and I decided it was 27. We're going with that number, okay. So uh, thank you, Jeff, for your service. Um, Many of you have asked me how Jeff is doing. I just want to let you know that that clip that you saw from him was filmed this week. I hope that gives you a sense of how he's doing. Um, And uh, and so, Jeff, uh, we just love you. So if you want to show your love for Jeff, here's how you can do it. Um, you can go out to the lobby. Like I said, we're saving cake and desserts for another time. We'll do that some other time. But what we want you to do today is just go out in the lobby. And over here on my right-hand side, if you look, there's some windows back there. And back behind those windows, we've set up a room with a video camera. And since Jeff isn't here to actually interact with you, we'd love for you to tape a message for him, just saying, hey, this is what I love about you. This is what you've done for my family. This is what you've done for me. This is how you've impacted my life. So film a a, a message for him. Um, If you're not as comfortable around a camera, um, that's okay. We have uh, paper that you can, little notes, you can write a note to Jeff and put it into one of the little boxes there. And if you happen to bring a card for Jeff today, you can also put that into those boxes and we will get all of those things to Jeff um, as quickly as we possibly can. But will you do me one more favor? I know Jeff and Tammy are watching this online right now. Which camera is live right now? They're all live? This one right here, right? Okay. You're going, I'm going to have a prayer. Then we're all going to stand up. We're going to turn around and we're going to look at that camera and say, we love you, Jeff. Okay? So you know the, you know the drill now, right? So... I'm going to get out of the way right now because I I love you, family. You're going to go love your world. Yeah. Okay, so I've said that, so we can check that off of this week's list. Okay. I'm going to have a prayer. As soon as I'm done with the prayer, stand up and just listen for me, and we'll all look right at that camera right there and tell Jeff we love you, and then you can go record your messages right down your list. All right? Let's do this. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us Jeff as a pastor at this church for 27 years, and Lord, now we pray that you, you give him many decades as a retired member of this church. Lord, we, we are so grateful for his ministry. We want to, um, we want to be like you, but we also kind of want to be a little bit like Jeff because Jeff loves so well. We want to love like that too. So Lord, bless each one here today. May they have heard the message that they need to hear from you. May they go and do more than just be hearers, but may they be doers of the word as well. We pray in your name, amen. All right, you can stand up, turn yourself Oh, so now it's the center. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I didn't warn the AV team I was going to do this. So they, so all right. So we're looking at all that. Here we go. One, two, three. We love you, Jeff. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church, and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. 
Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians. All focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.